You're listening to the Why I Love Disney podcast. In this episode, we rewatch Star Wars Rise of Skywalker and discuss our thoughts on the movie. Are you ready? Let's go. Greetings and welcome to another exciting quarantine edition of the Why I Love Disney podcast. I am Dustin. I'm Ramin. I'm David. And we are re-watching Rise of Skywalker that just released on Disney Plus for May the 4th. Super exciting. It's the end of the Skywalker saga, um, directed by J.J. Abrams, all-star cast, beloved characters, I guess now, what, uh, 40-plus years of, of Star Wars stories come to a completion at least as far as this chapter goes. Super exciting, very big budget, billion-dollar movie for um, Disney last year. First impressions, first of all, I just want to know, let, give me, just so people have a reference, how would you rate on a scale of 1 to 10 your Star Wars fandom? <laughs> From 1 being, I'm just, I'm not interested at all, wow. to 10 being, I'm a super, I'm going to the Comic-Con convention, I'm dressing up, you know, somewhere in there, where would you find you so we know where we're coming from, from this in this? Uh, well, I think... Uh I'm 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 a fan, but I've never been to anything like a, a convention or anything like that. I would not want to miss a Star Wars movie or a Star Wars series. I'm going to see everything that comes out, but uh, I'm not that I'm not that level of a fan. Actually, I would really like to go to those things, but I'm just I've never been. So one to ten, so. David, where, where, where are you at on that spectrum? I'd, I'd okay, seven. that's a pretty big fan. I get that. I think that's fair. Yeah. Ramin, what about you? I'm just exactly like what David said. I'm probably a six to a seven, somewhere in there. Okay. I, I, yeah. I would just kind of, based on you guys, be a seven to eight. Um, there have been times in my life where I've probably been more gung-ho, just more just where I'm at in my life right now. Like those original Star Wars movies, the first movie I remember seeing in a theater was Return of the Jedi, which gives me a lot of nostalgia for the series. I had all the toys growing up. I'm just kind of the perfect age for Star Wars um, when it all came around the first time. And then what was interesting is when the prequels came out was when I was in college in sort of another age that was sort of perfect for that sort of nostalgia reaway. You just have a little bit of yeah. money now and a little extra time on your hands to really get engrossed in these things and sort of geek. That was probably when I was, I was my most geeked out about Star Wars was actually when the prequels came out. And then a long time later, lot of, lots of time yeah. passed, and now I have my own kids who I get to experience this with again. And um, these new, um, the new trilogy has been fantastic. So I'd say I'm a little probably over a seven. I would probably put myself at an eight of a Star Wars fandom, and it's impacted me a lot in my life. So um, yeah, that's where I'm coming at here. Now let's let's move right into 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 this a little bit. So Rise of Skywalker, the final movie in this trilogy. Before we get into the movie itself, I want also to kind of clarify where we are in terms of what preference do we give to the trilogies. If you're looking at the original. Episode four, five, and six, A New Hope, Empire, Jedi. Then the prequels, Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, Return of the Sith. And then the new trilogy, which are you more um, biased <laughs> towards as your favorite? Well, my, the, the original series, I'm, I'm definitely more biased for uh, just because same way. It was very nostalgic, part of my childhood. Uh, so... That definitely would be the first. Uh, and then the new series would be my second favorite. And I really loved I've really loved the, the, the new films. The first series, the, the prequel series, I just I didn't get it. I just didn't get that much out of. But I, I didn't dislike them. Just they weren't a big part of my life. Oh, yeah. Does that make sense? <laughs> For me? I'm the exact same. I The original, in my mind, were... Uh, there's something really special about those. Um, and then I would say these most recent ones um, are, are definitely uh, next in that. And then the prequels, I'm, no, they're okay. Yeah, I think most Star Wars fans kind of, that's the consensus is, you know, everybody's fans of the originals. These new ones have kind of 
hearkened back to some of that. Um, we'll have some conversations about why, and, and, and I think even even in style and in pacing, it's more like the originals than even the prequels were. Um, but I think most people would agree with that, and I completely concur with you guys. It's the originals, I think it's this trilogy, and I think it's then the prequels um, after that. So in this trilogy, we have the first one is The Force Awakens, where we're introduced to Rey and Finn and BB-8 and Poe and these new cast of characters that get interacted with some, some old Star Wars um legendary characters, Han Solo, Princess Leia, R2-D2, C-3PO, Chewbacca, all right there kind of in there. And we're reintroduced to this kind of nostalgia and this story that's very familiar to A New Hope. Um, the story continues into The into the Last Jedi, where Rey is now um, strong with the Force and being trained by Luke, who now enters the picture as well. And we end this saga here with the rise of Skywalker, which was honestly like and my anticipation for this movie going in was very high, maybe higher than any of the others, simply because there was, I knew it was the end and there were so many kind of plot turns throughout The Last Jedi that had me, I won't say confused, but concerned and just sort of like scratching my head, like, why are they doing this? Um, that I needed The Rise of Skywalker to, to complete in a certain way for me not to um, kind of lose my mind in a you know, angry sort of way. And I really also told a friend of mine, I was going to reserve judgment on the last Jedi until I saw rise of Skywalker. Cause I think they all went together in a certain way. And so as I watched this, I actually ended the movie in the theater being very pleased with how this ended. I was thought it was an incredible, it had all the feels It tug on all the emotions. It had plenty of nostalgia. It had some new cool things you had never seen. Um, I just really liked how this all landed and then the overall themes as well. How did you guys feel about this movie in comparison, kind of in context within the new trilogy? I think it was my favorite of the first of the, of the new trilogy for sure. But I really enjoyed all of them. I, I, I and I've heard people that liked the last one because they didn't like, uh, number eight, and I, I I thought they were all good, but this this one just kind of brought a a good closure to me, and uh, I thought the action scenes were great, and the the characters pull you in even more. So I thought yeah, it was I awesome. Agree. I, I think this was the best Star Wars movie since the original trilogy. I think it was. I think it was fantastic. When you say the best since the original trilogy, Ramin, like what are you referring to? Are you talking about just overall from plot to acting to um, script to dialogue to the scenes to the technology, special effects? Is it everything? What what stuck out to you the most, dude? All of the above. Because um, I think this one did the best job. I think it honored the old movies, the spirit of the original movies, the best. Um, we got introduced to some new Jedi powers that I thought were super cool. Um, there were some really, really awesome scenes, graphics and stuff. Um, I really enjoyed some of the character development and stuff. We got to see uh, Ray, like she's this super powerful but raw like Jedi and like some super, super cool stuff coming from her. Um, I thought the humor was super fun. I thought the characters were really endearing and stuff like that. And beyond that too, the fact that Carrie Fisher had passed away prior to the filming of this and the mm. logistics and the project that had to go behind actually incorporating her into this movie in a way that honored oh, yeah. her, man, that's a whole nother level. And it was a whole nother thing that they did in this thing, um, behind the scenes that I think added a ton of value. I think they did an exceptional job with that. Yeah, that was fascinating. And watching it through, I actually, I was scratching my head during the, for my first watch thinking, well, did they film all of this before she passed? Like it was that convincing to me. And then, and then after the fact, you find out that they're using old footage, um, and reworking the script even to kind of make it work. And I thought it was, it was absolutely fascinating when you watch it again, knowing that it's even tough to, 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 you see it, you can see kind of how they're doing this, but it's not like obvious, even when you know, and that is a testament to some great storytelling and some, some, uh, cinematic gymnastics for certain. Absolutely. Yeah, no, Ramin, that's a great call. They described it as like this puzzle, right? Because it's not just the video, right? It's the audio is super challenging too. Like they have this old footage, this library of stuff that they didn't use. They have to scan through all of this footage to figure out what's usable in the context of this new plot. And what I found out is there's a lot of times that Carrie Fisher would, you know, Leia would say something that they, they said was the right words, but the inflection was all wrong. It didn't work in the scene. Right. And so they, 
they really had to craft and really work the script around the content that they had and try to find stuff that worked um, all to, I, I think, um, you know, honor Carrie Fisher and the legacy that she left um, and, and not do some kind of cheesy CGI, uh, you know, wh- where we all felt fake, you know what I mean? Like, so they, they really did an incredible job, I think, of preserving the authenticity um, and she's really on screen a lot of the time. Like, I mean, that's her. Um, they, they do use a stand-in. Um, so, you know, if it's behind her, that's a stand-in. And that's also to help the other actors so they have somebody to play off during the uh, shooting of the scene. Um, but then they actually also would digitally impose sometimes Carrie Fisher's face onto... Uh, so it's really her face, but on a digital character. That way they could change her wardrobe and hairstyling and stuff. Mm. Um, and that way you get kind of a fresh you know, look at her, even though, you know, you, you just wouldn't want to regurgitate something from the previous movies. Cause then it wouldn't feel like new content. Um, so man, what a, a huge undertaking. And I think they just did an incredible job with that. So. I think another thing that I found really uh, nostalgic maybe about it, I didn't think of it first was bringing the emperor back that an older character that comes back. So you've got this villain that you already know. So immediately there's this this you know how bad he is. You're not having to figure out who he is. You you're already there. And so I thought that was actually really effective. I complete, too. completely agree. Sense? I I actually think it's and I've heard criticism of this, but I think the introduction of the I, I want to say the nostalgic characters, but the classic characters, it was especially in the c- case of the emperor. I think what you learn in this is something that's underscored in all of the movies, all the trilogies. So you go to the original one, you have Vader, and behind the scenes is the Emperor, right? He's the the the, the master. Vader's right. the apprentice. And Vader is like the worst bad guy on film at that time, maybe one of the greatest villains of all time at when that was made, right? And you have the emperor who is his his master, right? And then you go back to the prequels and you see how the emperor was created, that all along he's this senator who's plotting his world domination. Just this, like, it, it actually, one of the best things about the prequels, I think, is the plot line of this political intrigue of how... Uh, a corrupt politician dabbles in this magic, right? This force and feels like powerful and completely um, Im- wants to gain immortality and starts to use all of his, we'll call it cunning, terrible attributes of manipulation, deceit, and, and then anger. And then the force on top of that to have this secret identity where he's training these assassins, this Sith, you know, this, this religious kind of under, he's like a religious cult leader. Right. And at the same time, he has a public face as he's a Senator rising to power in the, in the galactic empire or the galactic Republic. And then ultimately he is pulling all the strings of the Jedi, uh, not being discovered until the it's way too late in the, in return of the Sith, when he orders, um, um, Order 66, where all the Jedi are supposed to be assassinated and all the clone troopers turn and just start offing Jedi left and right. This powerful scene that this guy has won, right? In in context of all that, to see him return now, to know that he is kind of the epitome and the essence of all evil, that is incredible incredibly powerful i think it, it and not not just for nostalgic reasons just yeah. that you get this bad guy who's the bad guy of bad guys and we thought he was dead but he's not like he is reanimating and he's coming back more powerful than before which has been a constant theme if you remember right in return of the jedi it's luke strike me down and mm-hmm. i'll come back more powerful than you can imagine strike me down and you'll turn to the dark side and this is kind of the his always his thing is give in to the hatred give in to the anger go ahead and i will and then we'll rule right and and anger and hatred will rule and overtake everything and i think that was played out perfectly uh, perfectly is probably the wrong word, but very well in this in this saga too. I completely agree. And honestly, I don't think any of us saw that what was coming. Maybe that we knew with the trailer with his laugh that he would be involved somehow, but the idea of where Ray was mm-hmm. going and how this all was going to end, I don't think really many people predicted in the movies prior, right? Um, you might've saw it coming in this movie at some point, but when that reveal is made, I think it was a kind of a magic moment too, that it wasn't overly played and like, Oh, I saw that coming a mile away. I really do think there was an element of surprise and uniqueness to it. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that you find out that, you know, Ray is the granddaughter of Palpatine. There's the big reveal right there. 
I was going to let you guys say it. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah. And upon rewatch, you kind of see some <laughs> like evidence of that, you know, like there's some scenes uh, where they kind of foreshadow. Uh, for example, like they're on that planet trying to find that Sith Wayfinder and they think Chewie's just been taken up by that transport ship. And so, and, and this was, I love this. Like she, you know, holds the entire ship. It's like one of the first demonstrations and people are looking at her like, holy smokes, like Ray's like, she's legit. She's super powerful. She's holding this thing. Um, and then of course, uh, Kylo Ren comes in and he grabs onto it with the force and tries to rip it away from her. And, uh, through her kind of like, I don't know, that tension and the rage, you see the lightning come out of her fingertips and it blows up the transport. And that lightning yeah. only comes from Palpatine. Like you've yep. never seen it come out of any other, uh, Sith or Jedi or whatever. So, um, there's some foreshadowing to it now upon rewatch, you kind of like, Oh yeah, yeah. They're alluding to that already in the movie. So. In addition, I think it's really powerful too, like in The Last Jedi, and this is this is a controversial thing, but in The Last Jedi, we were led to believe that she had no lineage, that she she was going to not have a, um, a history. It was just something new and, and something. And a lot of people got really excited about that. I was not one of those people. When, when, I, when I saw that in The Last Jedi, it actually irritated me a little bit. I was like, this better not be where this is going. And thankfully, it for me, it wasn't. And, and I do think that those ideas of lineage and your, in, in your, your past kind of being things, um, I think that's a powerful statement and where it ends in the trajectory of the plot and kind of the lessons and the moral lessons that we get from all this, I think are, are more, um, impactful because of her history, because her grandfather was Emperor Palpatine, right? The, the, dark lord if you want to call him that the essence of evil um the one who is trying to pull all the shots and and take over everything and here he's back again to claim his granddaughter right and to try to get her to be the the um the heir apparent to his you know evil work right um so i think all of that like you said i right. think it was a powerful a powerful thing yeah, I really liked that part of it too. I think um, I think it served the story really well. It's kind of not the American, you know, um, dream or sentiment. You know what I mean? Like, pull yourself up. By, like anybody can make something of themselves. Pull yourself up by your own bootstraps type mentalities. It's a little contrary to that, which I think was maybe the heart of a little bit of the like like ah. Uh, but uh, but I agree. I think it was a better move on uh, uh, the writer's part you know, to have her up as a Palpatine, I think it would made it more interesting for sure. Um, you know, w w one thing that I, I thought, um, was kind of a, a mishap though, kind of, uh, fell short for me was like, I didn't really see the dark side tension for her. And I, I like, you know, like throughout the entirety of the movie, she's, she's trying to fight that. Like, I don't know what I'm going to become kind of thing. I saw myself in a vision next to Kylo Ren. I'm on, the, you know, but I like, I never at any point really questioned her like integrity as a good person. You know what I mean? Like, I felt mm. like that part fell short. Like, did you guys ever feel any tension that, Oh man, she really could cross. Like there's a real risk of that. Like, did you ever get that? I no, I didn't. I, I didn't. I don't think I really thought that she would cross. I, I felt pretty confident she would stick uh, to the plan. Uh, it was more a matter of would what was Kylo yeah, going same. to do and, and how would that play out? Interesting. I think so. And I, I, I might have actually, I think I might have found that kind of refreshing. If she had had the same exact battle as like Luke and some others, it would have been like, oh, here's the same story. Well, were you again. convinced with, with, so were you convinced like with the, Luke even and the original trilogy? Like, did you, did, were there points where you're like, man, Luke could actually cross here? He might, he might. No, actually. Oh man. I, in Return of the Jedi, I, I never don't, I don't and that was so. also in a day and age when that just didn't happen. It was before kind of the deconstruction postmodern 90s where you still had good guys, right? And even though it was kind of a cliffhanger, is he going to, is he not? No one really thought even the movie doesn't make you think. It makes a convincing case, right? You have Palpatine's case to Luke. Join me and you know, we can rule together. It's that kind of classic take all the power, give into it. But I know, I don't think, I never felt like in the originals, Luke was really going to turn. So I get what you're saying with, with Ray there. I do, I do think I felt his struggle more than I felt hers for some reason. I, I do feel like in the originals, you felt like, I think the reason I didn't think he would go over is because at that point in history, 
You just didn't have movies where the guy suddenly shifted. It'd be more likely that they would do that now. And, uh, you know, I think they'd still get him. I was actually concerned that when the when the new series started out, that he would be the, the villain. Yes. That something would have happened. And he is now on the dark side. It was like it, But of course, they didn't. And I'm glad they didn't. But I, I kept wondering if that was going to be the, the case. So I, I kind of found uh, the fact that she wasn't pulled that much. She was a lot more focused uh, in that area anyway. And it was still more about Kylo Ren. What's he going to do? And if he if he comes back over to the good side, how can that actually play out? Like uh, he's done so he's done so many mm-hmm. <laughs> wrong things. Can 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 he can he be redeemed? Yeah, well, this goes back to, to some s- of the. Go ahead, Tessa. Sorry. No, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say you you get to see a lot of that redemption. Um, th- there's a lot of uh, like depth in that story, I think, and that's one of the other things I really liked about this movie is kind of Kylo Ren's redemption, right? There's that scene where he yeah. and Ray have just had that battle. Well, um, in the ocean scene. Go, are you were you going to add? No, no, no. I'm, I'm agreeing. I'm agreeing. You're getting to some of these uh, the the issues of of like um, what are some common themes that are picked up here that we've seen in before in other Star Wars mm-hmm. movies. I mean, you're talking. Go mm-hmm. ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no, no, no. It's just you have this like um, it, it feels like this kind of replay, right? He's he's having this image of of his dad in front of him, and he's having this conversation, and the conversation looks almost exactly the same as the first time they encounter right before he, he kills his father. Right. Which is almost time, the exact same conversation Luke has with his father. And when they're fighting each other, it's the same. Yeah. I know there's good in you. I know there's good in you. Only in that case, it was the son talking to the father. In this case, it's the father talking to the son. I know there's good in you. I know there's good in you. Mm-hmm. And that, that phrase, I know there's good in you is you hear it in this movie and you hear it throughout, which is something that Luke always held on to. That's why going back to, I never thought Luke would turn because he was always the one that knew I feel good in you, father. I know there's still something there. We, you it's not too late for you. Um, and that was always consistent. Luke would have gone to the grave with that. And you get, when you start to hear those phrases in this movie, like you said, with Han, Leia says it in this one, the same thing. Um, Ray says it at one point that you're starting to exactly talk exactly like you're, you're, you're moving down that road of redemption. Like mm-hmm. you said. Yeah. It's just another mm-hmm. way. I think they honor the, you know, the original trilogy. Before we go forward, there are two, two ways. I think in this movie, I, I did, um, start to question Ray. There are two points. One in this one in particular, when she has the vision of herself as a Sith Lord, where she you know confronts herself um, with you know the kind of scary version of herself in the thing with the red lightsabers and the the, the teeth and and whatnot. She sees herself giving into her anger because she's very very angry right now and she wants revenge. She actually kind of goes down that moment for an instant that she may be out of control. And we now there is precedent for that too because that's Anakin's story, right? Anakin, the same idea it got to the point where it was all about revenge. It was about anger. It's about protecting his, his loved ones, right? His, he was going to protect his wife at all costs. And to do that, he gives up everything. And he goes, he goes to the dark side in his mind, his, his rationalization for that was always to protect his friends, to protect, well, not his friends, to protect the people he loved the most, which was his wife and his new baby. And you have all of those things happening and he actually does turn. So now we have Luke who did not. Not, and we have Anakin who absolutely did in almost the same scenario playing out with Ray right here, right? So we have Ray now having this vision of herself as a, a Sith Lord, knowing that she's going down that road and giving in. And the second place where it happens is right at the end, where she makes the you think she's making the decision to turn. Right. Kylo uh, Ben is out. Kylo has been killed by the emperor and he makes the deal. She looks up and sees all of her friends dying right from that incredible lightning bolt move, that power move that the emperor does just to disable all the rebel ships. Right. And they're crashing to their death. And in that her choice is I don't turn and they all die or I kill this guy going over to the dark side and save all my friends. Right. So I actually did feel like there's this tension happening that she could sacrifice it all for her friends, right? To save, to give into her hatred 
and kill the emperor in order to save her friends. But that's self-sacrificial, right? It's not selfish. And you get all mm-hmm. these things kind of happening. So there were those two places where I thought it was laying the 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 groundwork for the potential of her turning. Um, I didn't really think she would. It's not how I thought it would play out. But I did think it was a little bit more of a possibility, I think, than you guys did. What do you think would have happened if they throw you a complete curveball right there and she, in fact, does turn? And that is the end of the movie, right? It's like it would be the launch of a new well, series of Star Wars movies, you know what I mean? And you're like, what? Like curveball like you've never seen in Star Wars before. It, it wouldn't have surprised me because that's the end of Return of the Sith. That's exactly what happens to Anakin. It leaves you with Darth Vader is now or is now ascending to power, right? The Emperor's yeah, still the there. Movie title, and then, the, the movie title is Rise of Skywalker, and we knew that Anakin eventually was going to become Darth Vader, right? You would never right. see this coming. That's true. Yeah, there's a lot of ways this could have played out at the end. And I've had conversations with my friends about what would have been our dream scenario. Um, but I, by and large, I feel like it was a good a good treatment of everything. Like I, I'm, I'm happy with how it ended. Even the, the, the like you said, the, the, the suspense was more probably with Kylo Ren, Ben Solo than it was with Ray. but you have both of them happening at the same time. And then there's this dyad, these things we haven't seen with the force happening. And you're trying to wrap your mind around, like trying to figure out, wait, how does this work? What is happening here? And it does take a couple of, I will take my second watch to kind of get a little bit more of a grasp of what's happening with this, right? And why this is all important. But that whole um, Kylo Ren, Leia, Ben, you have all these children and these cousins and this lineage taking place right here in, in this incredible scenario of, of um, good and evil and right and wrong and, and redemption and, and paying, your, uh, paying penance and, and, pay, and making sacrifices or feeling like you have um, things to make up for and things to, um, what's, what's the word I'm look, looking for? Um, you're looking for redemption, so you're going to do things to rectify your past wrongs, right? I feel like there's a lot of that with, with Ben there at the end, right? Um, that's yeah. an interesting thing, right. too. One of my favorite ep- um, points in the movie were, was the, the, the cameo Harrison Ford once again after Leia, and I'm not sure how this worked exactly yet either, but Leia dies speaking to her son to try to change him because she knows there's good in him, right? And this is the moment when she gives it all up, right? And we know that Ben has now flipped back or we think he's flipped back, right? And then you see Han, right, approach his son and he knows it's his memory, but it says it's your memory. And then one of the most powerful, I think one of the most powerful um, moments in the movie was when he actually, um, he says, dad, and doesn't finish. And then Han looks at him and says, I know. Another throwback to the classic, I love you, I know, you know, kind of, and Ben can't finish his, his thought, but neither could Han, you know what I'm saying? So they're just like this, this father-son connection that I thought was an incredible moment and super powerful to reinforce if you had any doubt that he had turned. This is the moment where you know, yeah, all right, he's flipped back, he's good. And I thought that was an incredible, incredible achievement and just a great moment in the movie. Yeah, I mean, that, that entire scene is powerful, yeah. like- uh, Leia laying down using the last bit of her life force to just say his name in that moment. Um, and then kind of paralleling that to the mm. reality that Carrie Fisher actually had passed away. Um, and then that happening between uh, uh, Kylo Ren and, and, and his dad. Um, and he's been again, like, it's super powerful moment. Really, really good. Um, Which moves then to the, the makes the, all the more impactful, you know, he shows up, in the, in the temple, right, um, to aid, but he quickly meets his demise. You think, and then he comes back to 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 help at the very end to trade his life for Ray's, right? To to give everything he has left, just like his mother did for him, to to save Ray was just another kind of echo of the you see through the entire thing that he has completely changed. Now he's self sacrificing to save her life. That was really fascinating to me. Does um. Kylo Ren is kind of sneaking around under Palpatine's nose, right? Was was Palpatine actually privy to it? Like by the end, does he reveal that he's privy to Kylo Ren? You know, like that that he's privy to the fact that uh, uh, Ray and Kylo Ren are the dyad, you know, in the Force, and uh, that Kylo Ren's been trying to, you know, take power for himself and bring Ren over, or uh, bring uh, Ray over. That's a great question. 
Because Palpatine, I don't, I you think know, he's, he's blind he's to some master, of it. I think so too, right? And I feel like I was like, he's this master puppeteer. He's been controlling this thing. He's amassed this huge army. He he is the force behind everything. And somehow, even though he can, you know, interject himself into the mind of Kylo Ren whenever he wants and then speak to him, doesn't matter where he's at in the galaxy, he doesn't know that Kylo Ren is not, you know, working for him. Yeah, and the evidence of that is at the end, he seemed genuinely surprised when they both show up and he you know, it says, oh, the dyad. And he actually comes back, actually comes back to life because of that. I think that was actually not the plan. I think that was a, a surprise mm-hmm. moment for him that now that he knows, he mm-hmm. finally understands what's going on. And that is what made him re not just reanimate kind of in this weird sort of unnatural, it brought him back to life and made him more powerful, which he was far. Well, I'd rather this, yeah, I'll just kill you both and I'll take it all. Right. Um, now that I know exactly. this is a possibility. But yeah, I thought that was kind of a kind of an interesting thing. You know, another fallacy. <laughs> it's super fun though because this I think honors the original trilogy too. Stormtroopers still cannot shoot, right? They they go against hundreds of stormtroopers sometimes. <laughs> Not a single one can land a shot ever. What are those guys wearing? Are they wearing a, a welding mask? Like, is that what it is? Like, they cannot see yeah, like sunglasses they- inside kind of situation. <laughs> Terrible. Absolutely terrible. Unbelievable. <laughs> Legendary, terrible shots. Absolutely terrible shots. Uh, I just find it <laughs> hilarious, but it's super fun. At least, um, at least it's consistent. At least they don't get good at it, some, you know, in, in this movie. It would make the story a lot harder, right? Like, for them to be able to go and do some of the yeah. missions that they did if Stormtroopers actually could shoot. Um, did you guys also know that Chewie is 250 years old? They, they reveal that I, maybe they've revealed it somewhere else. I'm not, you know, I I'm only six not. or seven in the star Wars universe. So like, um, they're, you're, they're playing the, the chess game or whatever on the millennium Falcon. Um, and Chewie always wins. Right. And they're kind of like giving a hard time. He's a cheater. And they're like, no, no, you're 250. Of course you're, of course you're going to be better at it than us. I, I didn't know that 250 years old, Chewie. That's yeah, I, 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 I didn't know that. Okay, so, another. So what's interesting about that to me though, it's kind of the role that Chewie takes um, amongst the group dynamic, even though he's 250 years old, right? Um, Chewie is like obviously an intelligent creature. He's, he's talented. He, you know what he's doing? But he's always kind of in this kind of like servient role. Like they kind of order Chewie around like, or, Chewie, go get Ray, you know, like come back to the ship. And that's when he gets abducted, that kind of stuff. He's 250 and he's beating him a check. Like, you know, there's something going on there. Like, but... Um, and it actually got me thinking about um, some roles too, like like droids, for example. Droids are like the they're they're AI, um, but th- there's never like a mastermind droid, right? Like all the droids, like intellectually are are like socially are all very low, like the least of these kind. Of, you know what I mean? There's none of them that have been able to like really ascend to any amount of power or are or, or menacing. They're all just kind of these fragile, like kind of secondary class citizens almost that like need caring and looked after and are, you know what I mean? They're not like equal. Yeah. Um, you know, which I, I find to be an interesting theme, um, especially, you know, with like a lot of the concerns surrounding AI and the fact that this is so far in the future and they're so advanced, but somehow these droids never really break out beyond being kind of the secondary class citizen in my mind. And I love that because I think that's the theme throughout star Wars is that life human, you know, life in your soul. And there's something bigger going on and that droids just can't experience that. And I think it, it alludes to that. The closest you get is general grievous, um, in the clone wars, who is kind of this hybrid droid with a heart that is also strong with the, with the force as well. He's kind of a, a hybrid half and half, but that's the closest you get to anything like that's that. Right. You yeah, get yeah, some yeah. menacing droids, like some powerful ones, but you never get, um, you're right. They're always even like throughout all of the droids are, are servants or have a role to play. None of them are like so smart. They're going to outwit you. You know what I mean? And, and, um, take over that is not, that is far from the conversation in these movies, which I appreciate, you know, um, and actually think is, is quite realistic, which brings us to another thing we were talking about, like how, how, um, incredibly analog this movie feels 
as much yeah, as it, yeah. you talk about, it's, it, you know, it tells you a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, right? Yet at the same time, there's all these futuristic technologies, right? From hyperspace to hyperdrives to space travel to, you know, aliens, all of these incredible hologram transmissions. So you're in the future, but it still feels super like grainy and, and old and, 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 and like you said, analog. And I think that's mm-hmm. really interesting too. And it's also one of the things I like about this trilogy as opposed to the, the, um, the prequels. The prequels felt sometimes like you're watching a really slick cartoon, whereas the, there was more animatronics and robots and sets in this trilogy, which made it feel a little more, not nostalgia, a little more real and gritty, which I really appreciated. But that whole idea about analog feeling was, was I thought really interesting too. Like you, you look at some of the things like at the very beginning, when they get the transmission from the spy, I think you mentioned this for and they literally have to go and, and drop a cable to plug in to transmit the data that takes it's like them, an you know, man. they plug into a track. It is R two D two. No Wi Fi, no Wi Fi. They got to plug this in, and then the, the the kicker is so they're they're waiting for it to download. Like it's like you know those old computer movies from the eighties where a spy is in there break hacking into somebody's computer, and you see the little you see the little you know. 40% complete, 50% complete, 60% complete. This is like a something that happens in cinema and you're like, somebody's coming in and are they going to make it? Is it going to download in time? And you have this moment in Star Wars, right? And they finally get it. They unplug and they go. And then the, the kicker is this, is they get back and they reveal what this what they had found out from the spy. And then Poe tells everybody in 10 seconds what it was. And yeah, so wait a second, could have it, this is like a, a Microsoft comms or even yeah. in the thing, they didn't have to transmit what took so long. What else were they transmitting? It was like an AOL dial up connection like, right uh, there. Ex- yeah. Or maybe, like it's a Microsoft maybe, Word document. That's like a meg yeah. tops. You know, how long is that? You got to drop this giant cable down and plug it into a robot and sit there for a minute for it to download. You know what I mean? Like for this. Hey, the emperor's alive and he's got a fleet. You got 16 hours, you know, that's it. That's all you got to do. Maybe that poor guy, that poor spy guy wouldn't have lost his head if, uh, you know, they just would have used done true. it the old fashioned way. Maybe, maybe we can give him the old, like give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe this was like really the only secure way they could transfer the information without revealing the secret, right? It's like this old technology and that the, you know, they had, Otherwise, you know, they the Federation or what they would have found out about it. Somehow. It was like, it's like know. blockchain. It had to be confirmed by so many computers before it would, mm-hmm. you know, it's like this this decentralized network. Yeah, something we don't understand. I'm sure that's what it is. But I do think that honestly, like see seeing the cable come down and plug in, that's the things I'm talking about that I think actually make the movie more gritty and real. Like it makes you mm-hmm. feel like um Yes, it's futuristic, but I can get my mind around that. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I'd be really interested to know, like to talk to the directors and the creators, like, okay, that scene in particular, what made you want to drop a cable, you know, and open two hatches? Why do it like that? And I'd love to know their reasoning for it too. Like, because I do think it adds to sort of the drama and the intense and just something we can, we're familiar with, right? And something that seems old. I don't know. So give me this. So what is your favorite or your most, and not favorite necessarily, but the what was the, the the theme of the movie that most landed on you and impacted you? Like, made you feel something? What is this movie about to you? Wow. Uh, I think, I think the, the redemption theme was still predominant to me. I mean, I think that's the, you know, and, 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 and in the redemption of, of a person, it takes a lot of people, <laughs> you know, for, for someone to uh, come from the dark side into to the force. It takes it takes a lot of work. And. Uh, but it's it's worth it. It's that's what that's what these stories are about. Does that make sense? Absolutely. <laughs> Redemption's yeah, a big, I, a big I theme. It. I see that. I think redemption was huge. Um, I think uh, another huge theme, at least for me, like I, I think the the Carrie Fisher tribute, I think, was, in my mind, was kind of a, a theme in there too. I think that's something they intentionally worked in. Um, there's there's a couple uh, lines in the movie. They feel a little awkward. Uh, the characters say, 
But like in hindsight, when you look at it, I think that they, they are kind of a tribute, like these little lines. Um, there's one line where uh, Ray is kind of defying um, Princess Leia, right? And she's like, I, I got to do this. This is what you would do. And she says it like straight yep. to her face. You know what I mean? Like kind of talking about her to her, like in that way. Um, this is what you would do. Like, like this is what Leia would have done kind of thing. So it was kind of like, it felt a little like, like there's like a little tribute there. Um, and then there was another part, um, you know, they're on the planet looking for the Sith Wayfinder and uh, they almost get discovered by the stormtrooper. I mean, in fact, they do, but an arrow gets shot through his helmet and they, they get brought on the ship and they find out it's the, the general, right? Um, and they're like, Lando, whoa. Yep. And so it's like, um, and so he says, give Leia my love, you know, like, like just little lines like that, like you you might be able to read into like kind of just like these little tributes and 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 honoring Carrie Fisher and that kind of stuff. Um, so that that was one thing, but also um, that scene also like they are. I feel like another theme or thread is that they are honoring the original trilogy, right? They're they're bringing back old characters um, and stuff like that, um, which is one of the things I really liked about it. Um, and then the other theme is the development and kind of like the story. You get to see a little bit more about uh, Jedis and like their power and how it can develop. And, and, and they, they demonstrate new powers that you've never seen before, which I think were super cool to see. Like the, the, uh, uh, the connection that Kylo Ren and, and Ray had. And like they could, while being in two places, be somehow together in the same place. And like their environments would spread spill over into one another. Um, I thought that was super cool. Um, and then transferring awesome. life force, which became, you know, a major, you know, uh, part in the, the, the movie too, um, was a new power that you got to see. That was, was, I thought pretty interesting. So these are all things I think in addition to the story of like redemption, um, this, this, this idea of honoring, uh, the original cast and the original trilogy, I think was another underlying theme in this movie too. Um, even if it wasn't part of the, the plot per se. Sure. I, the one you guys have hit on so many of them, I think that are all prevalent to me, but for me, I think the most powerful thing was there at the very last scene where she's burying, she's back to tattooing. She buries Luke and Leia's lightsabers, not with a shovel, mind you, like that's too much work. Use the force to bury them things, right? Just sort of mind meld them into the sand, right? That's pretty awesome. I wish I could do garden work like that. But then this old lady appears and she says, who are you? You know, kind of, and she says, I'm Ray. And she goes, Ray who? And then she looks and you can see the the ghosts of, or, or the the material of, of Leia and Luke. And she says, Ray Skywalker. Now she's not a Skywalker, but her identity now from that moment on is she has claimed that for herself, right? And this, this under theme of identity, who are you? What is your, where are you from? What is your destiny? And who determines that? In every one of the movies, I think we've had some of that. Luke had no idea who he was, right? He meets Obi-Wan Kenobi and him discovering who he is and why the force is strong with him. And, and what's happened is all this sort of this um, journey for him into to something else. And you see this happen, happen with, um, in the prequels with Anakin to it in a, in a different trajectory. And this, you see that with Ray and you see it with Kylo and this common theme of who are you and what is your identity and what determines that, right? And ultimately it tells you that you are not held captive by the things in your past, by your parents or your grandparents or the sins of, of generations past that you can make a determination to, to change all of that right now. You're not captive by it and you're not held, held, held to it. Right. And I think that's a huge thing, you know, and, and I was actually, you know, in, in, in different, um, religious, um, institutions, especially the Christian faith, that's a big deal that you are not defined by your past or anything that's happened that there's, there's a, a new identity you can claim right here, right now. It's your choice to make. Right. And I think that these things are super powerful in the way it kind of the, the, mo the movie ends right at the end with her declaring, I'm a Skywalker when she's actually literally a Palpatine. You know what I mean? That to me is like incredibly powerful. Um, knowing what you know. And, and ultimately, maybe the underlying thread of the entire thing is people discovering themselves and discovering who they, I mean, even Han, Han and Chewie, they're, they're thieves. 
They're scoundrels, right? They're they're swindlers, yet they're heroes. And they're they they're they're not just redeeming, but they're they're honorable. You know, uh, he, dang, Chewie gets his medal at the end of the movie, right? He finally gets that medal that he never got. You know, in A New Hope, that he was standing on the side while while Han and Luke got the medals, right? But he gets one, finally gets his medal after all this time. Leia said to give this to you, and you just see these all these Lando, man, Lando is like scum of the earth half the time, right? He double crosses them in, in Empire, and and um and yet here he is, you know, at the end of the movie. Be, you know, giving, leading the cavalry right into into fight for the for the rebellion when everything seems lost and, and gone. And here's a guy that you know is also equally kind of damaged and and a liar and a cheat and, and murderer and all of those things. And here he is, just sort of saving the day and being a hero too. And I think those are very very powerful messages for all of us, especially for kids. And man, I. That's what I love the most about this movie is you see all of those kind of stories being tied up in such a beautiful way. Um, Even the de- the defecting right. uh, stormtroopers play into that too, right? Like yes, they, they absolutely. Were, they didn't even have a choice, like, but but they all like defected um, and and joined the cause. You know, I think I think you you uh, that was a great summation, Dustin. That's a really really good word. I think a lot of redemption is so tied in with identity and figuring out who you are and what you're supposed to be. So yeah, really great explanation. I just think, you know, and you get the whole thing that good is worth fighting for, that there's always hope to never give up. You know, those seem sort of like almost cliche these days. Like we deconstruct so much that there's no more black and white. There's no more good and evil. It, everything's gray, right? But the idea that everybody's flawed, yet it's still worth fighting for, that good is in love and mm-hmm. self-sacrifice are worthy causes in and of themselves. I think that's incredibly right. powerful and a great message that we need more of these days. Yeah. I do yeah. kind of push back a little bit against that. The enemies in this are pretty clear cut. You know what I mean? Like you look at like uh, pride. What's uh, yeah? Is he general pride? Is he general? And and uh, the guy, the um, even Palpatine. Like his appearance, they're, they're just like these dudes are. Missing. No, you're exactly right. That's what I appreciate. There are clear lines in this, like as opposed to Super most of clear. the things we experience today. Whereas you yeah, never, and, and, and the and good guy could be good and then bad, and you yeah, never yeah. know who's what. Or who to root for. I guess and maybe that's my point is that the the, the bad guys um and this are so clear cut um where in real life, you know, that's not necessary. like bad guys are almost never that clear cut. Almost never. So that I hear what you're saying. I totally I'm even on board. Just yeah, I, I just think uh the bad guys are so clear cut in this. It's kind of just keep in mind this, and I, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not debating. I agree with you in, in this, especially like there's always in these movies a clear bad guy. But up until now, up until this, Palpatine, for a long time, just flew under the radar. Right? He was the secret bad. And, and the Phantom Menace, you don't know he's the bad guy. You think he he's might the be Mitch McConnell. Of, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh kidding. gosh, <laughs> get us in trouble. <laughs> you can you can cut that out. I'm just kidding. Yeah, with this, this, whatever the fill in the blank with the politician. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> he's under the, he's he is the 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 secret disguised bad guy, the dual kind of loyalty sort of thing. And then, but there in the end, evil is revealed, right? And I think that's where we get here. And um, so I just appreciate this sort of fight for good, you know, and this um, that there there is evil and there is good, and we all struggle with both of that, you know. And and the temptations of evil are are honestly kind of clear cut too through this, like anger, hate, pride, um, the pursuit of power at all costs, selfishness. These are all characteristics of the dark side, right? And and manifested by the Sith Lords throughout, you know, and the bad guys of these things. And on the antithesis of that is imperfect people trying to um, act sacrificially, trying to put... um, to stand in 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 stand up for other people and injustice, right? And, and I think these two things are even though there's it's it can get murky and even within ourselves that we we battle with these things, all of us to some degree. Um, that in the end, the, the the cause is worthy. Yeah, and like like you said, with the the servient droids and and all like everybody has a role to play on that team. You know, like everybody there's everybody has a part and, and can do something for the greater good. 
Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of that droid, now that you brought that up, and I may drop this in somewhere else, did you get it like when when they were going into C three PO's like head? Um, did you have that moment where, like, where he looks? I just want to get one last look at my friends. Is that kind of emotional for you? You know, here you have a droid that's not so, and here he's like, you know, these are his friends. He's calling them his friends and he knows he may not remember him when he, this could be it for him. I thought that was a pretty cool moment, you know? Yeah. That, <laughs> I was, and the, and I the, was probably more by like the, the fact that they were so cavalier about, or, oh, that's or, true. Uh, it's just a droid. You know, about, about like wiping his brain, even though he has been <laughs> such like a, it, you know, like he's like a, a character in their close circle. Like you're like, a ah, droid. Like, why would we not do this? You know what I mean? Like why would we not? And by the way, R2 like, might have your memory sorry, backed up. So. Not sorry. Yeah, exactly. I, but the best work, part was but... right before, right before Baba Frick, you know, snipped the power. He goes, oh, I have one <laughs> other idea that might work. Snip. And then he's out. Whoop. Like, <laughs> that was great. I thought the humor love... in this, honestly, it, the last thing oh, I, I, I do think. Other than the analog nature of the movie, the dialogue and the acting in this is another level from all the Star Wars. <laughs> I do think when I watch the prequels, I really do like the plot lines, but mm -hmm. I just, man, there's something about, I always wish the dialogue was a little bit better. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like in the prequels. And I thought this one kind of the, nailed the humor, you know, and kind it of did. nailed those one-liners and like based on that scene that we were just talking about and, and humor, they're, they're a little bit later in the movie um, <laughs> I can't remember exactly what's happening, but, uh, uh, Boba Frick's name comes up in, uh, and C-3PO hears it and he's like, Oh, I know him. He's my oldest friend, but it, it's like, it's been like hours, you know, like, because they've yeah. wiped his memory and he doesn't have any identity yeah. anymore. Like, Oh, he's one of my oldest friends. Like the humor is so good. <laughs> little moments. Well, like let's, that. let's spin it. Love that. We should probably wrap it up but real quick. Give me your, on a scale of one to five mouse ears, David, what do you rate this? eight all right so we're gonna go one to ten mouse ears you give it an eight i like it all right oh what'd you what'd you say i'm sorry one to, one to five one to ten one to five is our normal let's uh, move it to the ten point four scale. and a, four point five four point five. five all right all right ramin what about you yeah i'll give it i'll give it a nine probably or four point five like i really enjoyed it um even though it got you know did not get great reviews but i i really liked it I, I definitely like I like it much better than the reviews for yeah, sure. Me too. Totally. Much that's, better. That's been a theme recently. And I think actually the, the fan reviews are way higher than the critic reviews on this too, as have been um, kind of consistent. I too would give it probably a 4.7. I'm going to go like, this is in, this is one of the better Star Wars. I'm so glad we got a final Star Wars movie that was good. So I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. It was so fun to talk about this. There's tons of it. We want to know why yeah, you love Disney. In fact, no, go ahead. In fact, listening to you guys talk about it, I said, listening to you guys talk about it, I want to go back and watch again. <laughs> Me too. I think my kids are watching it on repeat right now, so I'm getting a lot. So uh, um, we'll have to, maybe we'll we'll talk a little bit more about it in the future. But hey, thank you for listening. We really want to, we really appreciate you. Um, we'd love to know what, what you love about St The Rise of Skywalker also. Let us know. And if we can serve you in a way, please let us know. Check us out on the website, whyilovedisney.com or on Twitter, whyilovedisney1. And until next time, Thank you for joining us for the special quarantine edition of the Why I Love Disney podcast. Goodbye.